Songe Somapete on SAFM. Good evening, Ms. Lee Minot, Advocacy Manager, Hospice Palliative Care Association. Fantastic work you guys do, oftentimes never spoken of, largely unseen, but for those to whom it matters most, you make a serious contribution in their healthcare. Tell us in exactly what it is that you do, and if anything, the support that is still as important now because of COVID than ever before. Thank you for the opportunity, Songez. I appreciate it. There are there are so many misconceptions, sadly, about um, about hospice care. People think it's 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 giving up hope. People think it's for for only for people who are dying. People think it's oh that's for old people. But actually, palliative care, which is the expertise that hospices have, is about is is, is a set of a, a wide range and a holistic set of skills to help anybody with a life-threatening illness. So anybody at the point of diagnosis with a life-threatening illness should be reaching out to their local hospice um, so that we can walk the journey with you. Um, COVID is a life-threatening illness and hospices are responding to COVID, but the palliative care is, 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 has, has a range of expertise in, in psychosocial support, in pain management. And, and so many of the people who come to us recover. We're about quality of life, not, not about dying. Speaking about that, you obviously have people who are trained in medicine, nurses t- turned into care workers. The point that I'm trying to address is the people who are running these palliative care institutions are highly specialized skills that make a significant impact and take away the pressure from your traditional public and private health care institutions. The value, therefore, of your hospices. Hospices play, play a critical role, and, and, and we have over 103 member hospices in, in every province in the country. So anybody listening to this probably has, has a hospice near them. And what we want to encourage is if anybody knows someone with a life-threatening illness, reach out to your hospice. There are so many services that we can provide the ill patient, the family members to support at a time that often for many is is so scary. How, how can families who are challenged with the health of a loved one, more particularly the elderly, how do they engage your services and how do you, more importantly, as a hospice, keep the patient engaged with one's family? Because it cannot be gainsaid that family are the best possible medicine for somebody who is facing life-threatening illnesses as one would need to go to a hospice. Let's talk about the engagement, how they access your services and the continuous relationship therefore between the family the patient and yourselves I, I spoke earlier about some of the misconceptions about hospices people often think about hospice as a place you go um, but actually hospice is a philosophy it's about promoting quality of life with however much life we, we have so actually 97% of hospices services are provided in people's homes that's a little-known fact. So if at all possible, the nurses, the social workers, the doctors, isn't it amazing? Hospice is not a place, and it's definitely not a place you go to die. It's, 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 it's a place of hope to improve quality of life for family members who might be struggling to care for, for an ill person. But if at all possible, 
hospice will come to your home and support family to make the ill person as comfortable and have the best quality of life as possible. So very importantly is that we will send a holistic team to the house to meet the family, social work, to understand the context. Sometimes we help families access grants that they've disability grants that they've been struggling to. The support is rarely holistic. And it's often and predominantly 75%, 97% of the time offered in people's homes. Let's talk about the integration of services, therefore, that are on offer because you talk about social development and, of course, you are largely in the healthcare space. I would imagine there are other key areas within the public and private space that have to be engaged for the purposes of providing ultimately this service in the, what, 95 plus percentage of your patients in their homes. Can you talk more about the integration required and where perhaps the system needs a bit of jacking up for the purposes of being optimal in the service you provide? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think palliative care was, was, was introduced by hospices to South Africa, but increasingly it's been taken on board. South Africa now has a national strategic framework and policy that government has adopted. More and more we are providing training to, to healthcare workers in, in, in the Department of, of Health. So it's, it's broadening out and that's, that's, to be saluted. Hospices can't do this on their own. All of us at some point, and maybe a few times in our lives, are going to face a life-threatening illness. And like I said earlier, at the point of diagnosis, that's when we should be accessing palliative care. If you have medical aid, your medical aid should be paying for that. Um, you can access it through a hospice or a, a private care provider, but everybody who, who is facing a life-threatening illness should be getting the kind of holistic support that I'm speaking about, the, 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 the access to a social worker, to psychologists, to, to, to the right kind of pain relief. There, there's sophisticated understanding of, 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 of the holistic kind of support that is needed. And sadly, statistics currently are that only 18% of South Africans are getting that kind of support. So hospices can't do it on their own, and we're engaging with government. Sure. We're training healthcare workers, we're training people, and we're working with people in the private sector to make sure that more people get this kind of holistic support at a scary time in their lives. Not just at a scary time in their lives, but I mean, let's talk about the fact that you've got over, well, I mean, you service more than 120,000 people. You need feet on the ground going to these 120,000 or so homes. South Africa's spatial planning doesn't necessarily lend itself to your workforce being able to reach where the care is required. How do you circumvent that? Well, one is by doing extensive training uh, with, with, with the Department of Health, as I, I mentioned. The other one during COVID, we've just launched, we're about to launch a, a, a virtual application to connect people to, to, to counselors uh, remotely if needed. I mean, think during a time like COVID of, of how many additional people need spiritual counseling or bereavement counseling. And so we, we are, we're trying to, and experimenting with availing those kinds of things remotely now because the need is just so huge.
Mm, talking about remote access, and of course, when, I mean, I think of the Eastern Cape where I come from, and I'll always ask questions based on my experience and knowledge. Where I come from, I don't think I've ever come across a hospice palliative care association or institution that is affiliated to that. And that's not to say there isn't a demand or a need there. How could one from the remote villages or the outskirts of the country then be able to access the service? Because it's not a fact that the public health care system is accessible there even. It's, it's absolutely true. Um, but I think, I think you'll be surprised. You know, I, I encourage people to, to go to our website, www.hpca.co.za, and, and use the interactive map to, to find palliative care services or, or, or call our office and we'll connect you. There are a number of hospices in, in rural areas. Um, the people who do this work of, and, you know, invariably it's someone who's lost a loved one and wants to make sure that people don't suffer the way they have or they've turned their home into a hospice you know we're supporting tiny organizations with with eight beds in in very rural areas to you know multi you know uh, huge um hospices in in the heart of johannesburg that they are remarkably far flung in in south africa and they might just be one close to the people who are listening to to this call let's talk about costs mm. The persons, how much is their exposure for one who needs palliative care? So hospices avail their services free of charge. Um, and, 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 and that includes medications, that includes equipment. Um, and hospices do that because they, 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 um, operate as, as NGOs. Some do, um, provide services to patients who have access to medical aids and then they, the, the hospices came back from, from the medical aids. But on the whole, hospices are, passionate, we are passionate about making sure that everyone who needs a kind of holistic support when they're facing a life-threatening illness can get it and, and cost shouldn't be a factor. So that's when you access a hospice, um, it's not your ability to pay is not going to affect mm-hmm. the, the quality of care that you get. Let's talk about the concept behind remote um, health care or your services are offered in the people's homes, which is pretty much the concept that government was keen to adopt for the purposes of dealing with the inevitable traffic in the public and private health care system, where they would have encouraged as much as possible people to access health care services from their homes. How sustainable is this model beyond COVID? Because we do know the pressure that is in the health care system, private and public, and how the model, therefore, of hospices generally can help alleviate that on the one end, as well as improve the conditions of people by creating many of these foot soldiers, these healthcare workers, these social workers in accessing these homes where the need is. It's 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 a great question. It's one of the many reasons that I'm so so passionate about the work that hospices do, because as you say, the foot soldiers in 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 this work are home-based carers and community health workers, and so a lot of our work is in training and supporting and then upskilling them 
because um, they they can do most of uh, uh, most of this this work, and in the process learn more and 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 be able to to do more. And and so we are you know we have this we do have a strong component of education and training, offering NQF level two three courses in in home based caring community work. Um, it 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 is it is it really is from the grassroots up this kind of work that we're talking. About and and there is so much that a that a home based carer can avail, and so much that they in so many ways in which they can help. So empowering those people to do even more is a core part of our work. Final question: These skills that you say are offered at these NQF levels, how? useful beyond being the foot soldier, so to speak, of a hospice organization, are they for healthcare beyond the hospice network? In other words, in public healthcare, in private healthcare, or even in social development? Can one generally migrate with these skills into other areas of the economy? Absolutely, and that's why we're working closely with the, the CETAs and, and, and the various to create career paths. That's um, to, to be able to start at an NQF level two, but, but go all the way to, to a, a diploma or, or further if needed. It's really, really important that this is, this is a, a career path with a, a real trajectory for people. And we're working, we're working hard to, to ensure that in social work, for nurses, for community-based cares, and, 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 and even, even for doctors, you know, that this is a, this is a specialization mm. as well. Mm. Um, uh, that is little recognized and known, but increasingly there is, there, there, there is more and more available for people who want to specialize in helping people with life-threatening illnesses. In case you don't hear it enough, Lee Minot, Advocacy Manager, Hospice Palliative Care Association of the country, the people of SAFM and those of the country South Africa, thank you for your service. Thank you for the time. Excellent. That was the show, ladies and gentlemen. We have an appointment tomorrow, same time. And of course, I'm very glad we had a full day to this evening, 90 minutes, as opposed to the nine we had last time we were together. Have yourselves a great evening. Be well. Keep safe. Still, COVID is still out there. And we'll chat in just short of 22 hours.